Good morning. Um, if you would pray with me, please. Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may hear your word with joy. Amen. This morning's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came, and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Beth. That phrase that Jesus ends with there, the last shall be first and the first shall be last, we, we hear it a lot, we think about it. We don't always think about it in context of this parable. And Jesus certainly said it a lot of times throughout his ministry. This isn't the only time he said it, but this parable lends some perspective, doesn't it? We're spending some time this month in September thinking about um, how the, the values of God's kingdom oppose the values of the kingdom of this world. And this month, we're thinking about the value of abundance. I'm not sure value is the best word. I just can't think of a better one. Uh, in, in short, here's what we're based. Here's the premise of this whole month. God operates from a, uh, a principle, from a starting point of abundance, we often assume that the world works on the principle of scarcity. And when, when you approach the world as though everything is abundant, you start to approach things very differently than you do if the world is scarce. If, the world is, if everything is abundant, then you end up being much more open-handed, much more generous, 
If everything is scarce, then we become more tight-fisted and, and reluctant to be generous. Why? Well, because if things are scarce and I give something away, then there might not be enough for me. And that's a natural human response. But Jesus, as he teaches through his parables, constantly reminds us that the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of scarcity. It's a kingdom of abundance, of abundance. And that's what we're going to think about this morning. Now, this, um, this sermon, full disclosure, this has been kind of a weird and hard one to write, uh, partly because it kind of preaches itself. If you were listening as Beth read, you basically got it. <laughs> so how do I spend another 25 or 30 minutes talking about what's pretty clear? Watch, and I will show you. But... Um, it's just hard to, it's hard to preach on because it's actually pretty clear and we mostly understand what's going on, I think. I would remind you, by the way, after the service, we will do a Q&A. And so if you have more questions about it or more reflections, then meet us in the living room downstairs, um, kind of off to the fellowship hall a little bit that way at 1130. And we'll just chat more about it. Um, I'm especially interested to hear your thoughts on what does this mean? And even the broad principle of abundance versus scarcity for how I live my life and how might I live into God's kingdom even though we are living in this kingdom at the moment. God's kingdom is abundant and yet so often we think about things from a standpoint of scarcity. This morning we get that picture through a story, a very ordinary story. Um, Some men are hired at the beginning of a workday. Very early in the morning, in fact, they are hard workers. They start work at 6 a.m. probably. And the man who owns a vineyard hires them. He says, go work and I will pay you a denarius. Now, a denarius is a full day's wage. You might call it a living wage. It is a fair amount of money to receive in exchange for a full day's work. They work all day. The man hires other people later on throughout the day at the third and the sixth and the ninth hour. And and in ancient uh, cultures, they counted the hours from sunrise. So we're probably thinking like 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12, 3 And then all of a sudden at the 11th hour, 5 p.m., one hour before quitting time, and he pays them all the same. Simple story, right? Now, so often we, um, we want, I'm going to project a little bit onto you. I hope that's okay. I'm assuming, and we also know what assuming does, that you come to church and you want to be inspired and you want to leave feeling better than than you felt when you came in. Um, Jesus doesn't really do that today. My, my hunch is that for most of us, Jesus' words are really going to challenge us. And so I invite you to really consider that because if we let ourselves be challenged, we will leave with gratitude. What I'd like to do this morning is to consider this parable from three different angles. Kind of same story. But let's imagine ourselves in the place of, first, the full-day workers. They started work at 6 a.m., worked hard all day. And then we'll consider the story from the perspective of the 11th-hour workers. They got hired one hour before quitting time, put in not exactly a full day's work, and got paid the same. Lastly, we'll consider this parable from the perspective of the vineyard owner. What would motivate him to do something so unfair? The reality is that what he does is very unfair. It's not fair. And that's what, the, that's what the full day workers are keying in on when they talk to him. They've worked hard all day. 
And there are other guys who've worked only a couple hours. How come they should get paid as much as me? How come they should get paid as much as me? And the master really keys in on it with this question. This is the question that, well, I I won't say this, but let me invite you. Let me invite you to consider whether this is the question that Jesus is asking. Look at verse 15. The vineyard owner says, Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Are you envious because I am generous? Envy is one of those, uh, in fact, it's, it's commonly listed as one of the uh, traditionally seven deadly sins. That's not a biblical category, but it can help us make sense of thinking about sin and how we have a hard time seeing God in our world. And the roots of envy really grow from the soil of comparison. So why are the full-day workers so envious? Because they're comparing the ratio of payment to work that they put in with the ratio of payment to work that those 11th hour guys put in. They received the same net amount, but they got a 12 times greater payment if you consider it in terms of an hourly rate. If they hadn't been comparing, they wouldn't have been, so think about, they wouldn't be envious. Um, Imagine if the vineyard owner had paid them backwards. In fact, what the vineyard owner does is it's very unusual for him to pay the late guys first. Imagine if he had said, well, you guys, you guys worked first, so here's your denarius, the amount we agreed to. They agreed to this, remember, and it's a fair wage. Here's the amount we agreed to. Now go on your way. They would have gone home. They would have had no idea that he was merciful to those who started working later. And it's important to remember this. The full-day workers were not mistreated. We're going to come back to this. What the vineyard owner did did was unfair, and yet he did not mistreat the full-day workers. They agreed to the wage that he paid them, and it was a fair wage. He was not um, he was not stiffing them. They're not getting ripped off. It was a living wage. This was enough money to live on. This puts food on the table for you and your family. But all of a sudden, somebody else gets more, and I feel like I'm entitled to more too. Why? Because we can't help but compare ourselves with other people, can we? C.S. Lewis really keys in on this. Uh, He's writing about pride, but um, it's so closely tied to envy that I think it fits. Listen to how C.S. Lewis puts it. He said, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next person. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they aren't. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or more good-looking than others. If someone else became equally rich or clever or good-looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It is comparison that makes us proud. The pleasure of being above the rest. It is comparison that makes us proud. The pleasure of being above the rest. Which invites this question, at what point can we say, I have enough. I have enough. 
and what I have is enough. I like at what point can we learn to say enough really is enough? Enough is enough. Not in the way that we usually say that, which is I'm so fed up with things, but it, it, to indicate our satisfaction, our genuine, I have enough and it's enough. You know, the parable ends and we don't really hear any more from those 12th hour workers. We don't know if they came around, if they understood, or if they just left upset. But we do see a little bit from those 11th hour workers. Let's consider this parable from their perspective. Now, I mentioned earlier, most of us are probably unsettled by this parable. And really rightfully so in some ways. Like, we, this, is, this is part of human nature. Now we're going to really explore more of that through the 11th hour workers. Most of us are really rankled by this. There is one type of person, though, and there are a few people in this parable who are not rankled by it. That would be those whom the vineyard worker hired, vineyard owner hired at the 11th hour. They didn't deserve the full day's wage. And they know it. They know it. And yet for some reason, the vineyard owner had mercy. He had compassion on them. It wasn't fair. But let's be, let's be careful in distinguishing. When we think about fairness, we, there are at least, I can think of at least two kinds of unfairness. The first kind of unfairness is when you don't give somebody something they do deserve. That would, have hap- that would have been the case if he did not, if the vineyard owner did not pay somebody after they worked. That would be unfair. That's the first kind. It's when you don't get something you do deserve. And in fact, the full day workers are kind of taking this tack, assuming they deserve more. But the second kind of unfairness is when you do get something you don't deserve. That's what we're talking about here. The vineyard owner is not being unfair to the full day workers. You know who's being unfair to? The 11th hour workers. And it works out in their benefit. It's not fair. It's grace. It's not fair. It's grace. There's a songwriter named Matthew Thiessen, and about 20 years ago, he wrote a song. One of the lines says, the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. Think about that. The beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. Now this is, um, this is conjecture, but let's imagine. It can be really helpful to understand scripture when we imagine ourselves in the story. So let's imagine ourselves in this story as those 11th hour workers. Maybe actually let's start by imagining Let's do two things. First, let's imagine ourselves as the, uh, as the full day workers. You see what happens. You get your denarius. You're walking home. Now, these are day laborers, by the way. Like, they're in the market. They're hoping to get hired for the day, so they don't have the job security of knowing they've got work tomorrow. So they probably go, you're going to go to the market tomorrow, and you're going to hope somebody hires you. Imagine the same vineyard owner comes and says, hey, I want to hire you again for the day. Are you going to work for him? going to be hard at least, right? Maybe you will, maybe you won't. I would wager most of us, at least we wouldn't want to. Now imagine that you're the 11th hour guy. 
Now, they had been there all day, by the way. That's implied when the master, or when the, the, I keep saying master, when the vineyard owner comes and says, why are you still here? He's implying, like, you've been here. They've been there all day. Nobody's picked them up. He hires them. He pays them unfairly, very generously. Now imagine he he wants to hire you tomorrow at 6 a.m. Are you going to work for him? You bet you are. You're going to work hard for him? I bet you are. I bet you are. You see, among among a lot of, of full day workers, the full day workers might be tempted to say something like this to the vineyard owner. Don't hire them. You just, you just gave them way more than they deserve. They're going to take advantage of you. They're going to abuse the system. They're going to take advantage of your grace. And that's usually what you hear from people who have earned things all their lives. But talk to somebody who has received grace. Are they going to work hard? I bet they are. I bet they are. One reason I think that it's actually implicit in the text. They're still in the marketplace at the 11th hour looking for work. Okay, so this is how the system works. You don't have a steady job. You go to the marketplace every morning hoping somebody will pick you up. You don't get hired at 6 a.m. You don't get hired at 9 a.m. You don't get hired at noon. You don't get hired at 3. The workday ends at about 6 p.m. These are hard workers, by the way. They're putting in 12-hour days. When 5 o'clock rolls around, do you think you're still sitting in the marketplace? Or have you given up? Said, you know what? just didn't work out today. I'm going to go home. And yet they're still waiting. Look at what the vineyard owner asks them. Why are you still here? Like, he can't really believe it either. What do they say? Nobody's hired us yet. Why are they still waiting? They're hoping, desperate, maybe for a twelfth of a denarius, I don't know. And yet in that moment, they receive grace. Just because they receive grace does not mean they're not hard workers. And I bet if they go back to the market tomorrow and the vineyard owner says, hey, why don't you come work in my vineyard again? They're going to jump at the opportunity. They may be the best workers he has. When you've experienced grace, it transforms you. See, they're singing, you remember the song? Of course, do you remember the song? Of course you do. Amazing Grace. How's it go? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's what these guys are singing. While the 12th hour guys are singing the evil, evil cousin hymn, it goes like this. It goes, annoying grace, how rotten the sound that saved a wretch like that guy. It's comparison, you see? You see the difference in mindset? In an abundant world where grace is given more and more abundantly, not withheld because it's scarce, but abundantly, what happens? We become thankful. We're filled with gratitude. So the full-day workers are annoyed, annoying grace. That would have been a better sermon title, by the way. The, um, uh, the 11th-hour workers are amazed, amazing grace. Let's consider one last person, and that's the vineyard owner. Why? <laughs> Obvious question. 
I don't know that there's an obvious answer, but obvious question. Why would he pay them the same amount? Now, all the other evidence suggests that he's, he's probably a pretty good businessman. He, he owns and runs a vineyard. Like, he's making money. He's employing people. He's a shrewd, sharp businessman. And yet, most of us would say it's a foolish business decision to pay somebody 12 times what they're worth. Why, why would you pay them that generously if you could pay them a twelfth of a denarius and nobody would bat an eye? Every, nobody would even think about it. It's just what you do. Why be so generous? In a kingdom governed by scarcity, you know your resources are scarce and you need to maximize your profits. You need to return on that investment to your shareholders. If he had shareholders, I don't know. You have to protect your resources lest they run out. Therefore, you're going to pay what's fair and not a penny more. You see? That's in a scarce kingdom. But the kingdom of God is not a scarce kingdom. It's an abundant kingdom. The vineyard is the the vineyard owner's little mini kingdom, as it were. He gets to set the rules. And he operates from a principle of abundance. Maybe, in fact, he's such a good businessman and has done so well for himself that he is free to be abundant and generous. And so he shows abundant mercy. By the way, there's mercy in his actions, not just in what he pays them. Notice the fact that he has a manager, like a mid-level manager, that's the guy who pays the workers. It says he has, he has his manager pay them, but he's the one who personally goes out and hire them. Why? Any other owner would have sent his manager to do that. And he not only pays them out of mercy, he hires them out of mercy. Assuming that he's a, a decent business person, And you don't get that wealthy by being a bad business person. (laughs) He asked, remember what he asked the, the 11th hour workers? Why are you still here? They say, nobody's hired us. If he's a halfway decent business person, like he knows how many people he needs to work his vineyards and get the work done for that day. He knows I need a dozen or I need 20 people to get, he's, you're going to hire them all at 6 a.m. He's already hired all the help he needs He doesn't need their help. And yet he goes out and sees people who are, who want work and who want, and he says, you know what? Come work for me. I hope you're, I hope you're getting the parallels that Jesus is drawing here, that the vineyard worker is God. I'm sorry, the vineyard owner, important distinction, not the worker, the vineyard owner is God. And he operates not out of scarcity, just giving us what we deserve and nothing more. He is incredibly abundant. He sees men who need the work. They've got to put food on the table for their families, and he's going to give them the dignity of that. I wonder about this. I don't, I don't know. Remember, parables aren't necessarily meant to be these one-to-one, like strict, here's the meaning, now we can dust our hands off and move on. They're, they're actually meant to sit and linger and challenge us beyond just reading them. So I invite you into this with me. I wonder whether Jesus is inviting us to take a pretty hard look at ourselves and, and ask, if, if we dare, just how much am I like those full-day workers? 
I wonder if he's challenging us to consider that maybe the, the more offensive we find this parable, the less we are actually willing to receive the grace of Jesus. Like the vineyard owner asks, are you envious that I'm generous? Are you envious that I'm generous? Are you envious that God would be more generous with somebody else? On its own, this this parable is challenging, you see? Let's add one more challenge to the equation as we close. Because Jesus Christ, the one who told this parable by his life, took this parable one step further. In the parable, we have a vineyard owner and we have a 12-hour full-day worker and we have an 11th-hour, one-hour-a-day worker. And yet Jesus Christ becomes all three for us. Consider this. Jesus Christ, the vineyard owner, all things are his, made himself a full-day worker. In 2 Corinthians uh, 5, we read, um, God who knew no sin, knew no sin. Jesus lived a perfect life, a righteous life, never once sinned. Like if, if anybody can say, I worked for this, it was Jesus. And yet when it came time to receive the payment, what did he receive? Not the denarius, not the fair full day's wage, He received what the full-day workers thought the one-hour workers deserved, namely, nothing. He exchanged the true wage for his righteousness, gave that to us, and took what we deserve on himself. You see, Jesus Christ subjected himself to a truly unfair deal. We've been thinking about unfairness in the sense of getting something you don't deserve, and yet Jesus Christ chose us the flip side of the coin. He received something he didn't deserve. On the cross, Jesus, God himself, died. The one person in history who didn't deserve death, who didn't deserve to suffer, who didn't deserve that pain and the brokenness, and yet he willingly took our brokenness and sin on himself. Why? So that we could get that denarius so that we could get the fair wage that we didn't earn. It's really easy to get offended, isn't it? And to think, that's not fair. That's not fair. We think of ourselves so often as the 12-hour workers. In reality, maybe Jesus is inviting us to consider we're not the 12-hour workers we think we are. We might be a lot closer to those 11th-hour workers just sneaking in in the tail end and if so can we joyfully receive the abundant mercy of God let's pray Lord would you challenge us would you comfort us with your word And in all things like you do through your word, would you, would you somehow unlock our hard hearts and shine your grace into them? 
Help us to see that we are the beneficiaries of grace. In reality, we don't, we don't want to earn it. Because what pressure would that be? We want the freedom of knowing I, I didn't earn it, but he gave it to me anyway. Teach us about your abundant grace. In Jesus' name, amen.